start to think about the, the business that you're running, the opportunities you're creating, the accountability you provide, and how you actually impact someone's life is indicative of your success or not. That's the reality of it. Hey Slay, hey everyone, it's me, Jay, and I'm with my girl, Nina, and welcome back to the No Stylist Left Behind podcast. We want to give a big shout out to our sponsors at All A Good Professional. Thank you for always having our back. Hi, Nina. Oh, my bestie, my fellow co-host. You are just everything to me. Oh, listen, I don't even know if I have words. I almost feel like I'm at a loss for words. What's up? (laughs) That never, ever, ever happens, right? I'm so excited about today. I'm so excited to be here with you, first of all, all day, every day, banging out podcast. Can you believe that we are coming up on, so May will be three years for the podcast. Can you believe that? I literally want to say thank you for that commitment. And I want to thank all of our listeners for being fully committed to us. Like we do this for you. And Nina, that's a lot of commitment. Mm -hmm. Like basically we're married, right? It's like, (laughs) yeah. And like, I feel that I've learned more than I could ever imagine from beautiful guests, from us researching, leaning into uncomfortableness. Like we've done it all. We've talked about a lot of different topics that sometimes we're uncomfortable, right, Nene? Yes, for sure. Yeah, and go in. Sorry, I got really excited. Got excited. <laughs> I know. I can see it in your face. No, I know. I think it's just, it is such an honor to do this with you and yeah. then have people just support us, right? Every single week, every other week, you know, we've switched it up a little bit, but um, really just kind of sitting in my feelings right now of gratitude and being with you, you know, every week and recording and our amazing guests that come in and share their truth and they're being so vulnerable and honest. And it really has changed me. Yes. It really has changed me in such a beautiful way. So thank you to everyone that supports us and shows up for yeah, us every yeah. single week. And of course, our sponsor at Oligo for always supporting us in what we do. And listen, I don't, I don't even want to talk anymore. Okay. I'll bring in our guest. In. Let me get into it because everyone shit to talk about. Okay. okay. <laughs> Listen up everyone. We have a most spectacular guest today and I'm going to put it on a level of like, I'm going to be real with everyone. Okay. Just so y'all can buckle up, get ready of the energy that we're serving. This amazing woman that is on the podcast today gives me like butterflies, makes me like hot and ready to go. She just is a wealth of knowledge and let's get into it. She is a CEO of 12 location collectives of salons, educator, speaker, and author. Welcome Lauren Karens to the No Sellers Up Behind podcast. Woo, girl, I'm so ready. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm such a fan. I was telling you guys before that I'm such a fan. So it's actually um, really exciting for me to get to be here and be a part of it and share with all of you. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. And same. I mean, yeah, truly just 
watching you and your brand and how you built your brand and how you move through, you know, everything that's been going on with COVID and during this time. And your brand is just unbelievable mm. and you've done unbelievable things. And so why don't you tell us a little bit? So first tell us about your brand. Well, the name, so everyone knows if they don't know they're living under a rock, but tell <laughs> us that a little Perfect. bit about the name of your salons. And then just a couple quick things too, like how long you've been in the business how long you've been a salon owner. And I know you're in New York city, but I'm curious to know how long you've been in New York city. Okay, perfect. Um, my brand is Fox and Jane salon group. We have seven Fox and Jane salons. We also have um, a brand called Maven June, a brand called little lion that has multiple locations and a brand called skin habit under that family of collective, that umbrellas. And I am uh, beautifully lucky to not be a sole proprietor. I have rad business partners on many of those projects, which is what I do as a CEO, mentor uh, entrepreneurs and corporate team to help run, you know, those 160 employees. Mm, wow. I've been in New York for 10 years wow. and I've been, and now listen to this, I've been a salon owner for 10 years. So I opened my first salon in New York City the year I moved here. Within about eight months of living in New York, I started Fox and Chain. Wow. And industry. Gosh, it's really feels weird to say this now for 20 years, for 10 years, I was a hairstylist before I became a salon owner. So it has been a wild ride. And I now am a full-time CEO. I don't do hair anymore unless it's full creativity, unless I just want to go in and, as I say, get in the lab, touch some hair and, you know, play with something. But um, yeah, it's it has been a wild ride. <laughs> oh my God. I'm just thinking, moving to New York City, where are you from? Uh, I am from a town called Durango, Colorado, that I think has about 60,000 people. I grew up on a dirt road and I moved <laughs> from a dirt road to New York City. Wow. Wow. You and qu quite a shift, right? And I think, quite right, quite a shift. Moving <laughs> to New York City is just, it's magical. It's kind of okay. like when I moved to LA, it's magical, but it's very overwhelming. I don't know if you felt this. But when I, when we first moved to LA, I remember standing on San Vicente Hard, oh. which is literally down the street from my house and just watching all of the cars and seeing all of the people. And for like once in my life, I really felt super out of place, but I felt so small, like this little tiny person yes. in this big, big, big giant world. Did you have that same kind of feeling when you moved to New York? did, but I always am just a, such a dive in person. I'm like a drop me and drop me somewhere and let me figure it out. I just didn't spend a lot of time thinking about the bigness because I I'm also someone that the bigness shies really shies me away. Mm. So I think I just got in and I found my niche really quickly. I got a job at a salon and I, I just started to build communities it now more so Nina, I would say <laughs> I go, Holy heck, it's big here. And I can't believe I've done this. But at the time I was laser focused and I kept it small. I think it was good for my own mental health that I did that. <laughs> because I think I love that you brought that up because I feel like a lot of us can take that lane of like really like getting the blinders on and seeing focus in the beginning and hitting it hard, right? And keeping that circle small. So I love that you brought that up. Yeah, definitely. Stay, stay, stay in your little pocket. Yes. <laughs> Don't think about New York city. It's overwhelming. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I think, you know, one of, one of the things that I'm really looking forward to today is picking your brain, learning from you in the commission world, because, you know, I'm a former commission salon owner. I'm from Pennsylvania. Jay is a former commission salon owner. And 
it has changed a ton. And I know that it's been very trying for commission owners over the past several years. It's been very Mm. trying for everyone, but it's been very trying for commission salon owners. So I'm really excited to kind of dive into this and really talk all facets of being a commission owner. And one of the things that I want to really dive into is being a commission salon owner is different than being a commission salon owner five, 10, 15 years ago. So what shifts do owners have to make to stay in the game? And then how can they shed that old school mentality? And let me preface the old school mentality, right? It is, um, you know, the working of nights and weekends and crazy hours and not diving into supporting the team and really training them and really working with them and guiding them and coaching them. And it really, I mean, there's other things too. And I think, look, I think there's always a point in time where it's like, do you have to work to get to where you are? And nights and weekends could be a part of that. Sure. But an old, and I'm, I'm curious to hear your take on old school mentality, but I think there's so much shifting that's happened that I'm curious to see what shifts you had to make and how owners can kind of move past the 2005, the 2000, you know, mentality. It really is different. That owner mentality different. For sure different. You're so right. And I think I have so many things to say to this. I could go on and on. But what I would say is um, the industry, the world is changing. Commerce changes. Business changes. Uh, Rental is changing. Commission is changing. And I think that um, what used to happen historically in our industry is A hairstylist with enough know-how, me, would go out and go, I'm going to open a salon. I know Mm. nothing about nothing, but I think I could give people a commission. I think I could give them some advice, and I'm going to call that a business, and I'm going to put them in the room with me, and I'm going to say, I run a business, and I'm going to learn everything as I go. And and by the way, this is me, so I'm not putting anyone down out there. I (laughs) did this. (laughs) But what I... I, Yeah, same. Yeah. But what I would say now is that we are being held accountable as business owners to having businesses. And Mm. what I mean by that is operations, human resources, benefits, which I know we'll talk more about, processes in place, marketing support. And for the skeptics who say commission salons are are struggling, commission is, is dying. I would tell you I have 12 incredibly healthy businesses, some of which are in places where we are one of the only commission salons in town and we are fully staffed, fully booked seven days a week. And the reason is very simple. You want to know why? People need help. People need mentorship. People need accountability and people want support. So for every person who's out there, who's made to be a sweet renter, right? A sweet owner. There are so many folks who just don't have that independent drive to run that business. And I'm such a believer that the boom in suites isn't because suites are better. It's because for too many years, commission salons failed to be dynamic and supportive. Mm, It's a side effect of an issue. It's actually not a solution. So what I've had to do, what I mentor my business partners to do, and what I would encourage anyone listening to do is to start to think about the the business that you're running, the opportunities you're creating, the accountability you provide, and how you actually impact someone's life is indicative of your success or not. That's the reality of it. Mm. Oh, boy. Let me tell you something, because 
That is, it's so true. And I think also thinking of that old school mentality, you really hit it on the head, on the head. It isn't, it isn't about you anymore. You know, when you sign up to be a salon owner, you're responsible for everything and everything mm. that is in your business. And it is coaching. It is mentoring. It is taking time, but it's also having yourself together first with systems and processes and your leadership. And it is investing in other people. Oof. It isn't just being a salon owner saying, okay, now I have the owner hat because there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. Right. But the big part of the responsibility, and for me, I'll speak for myself, is that I was responsible for other humans. Yeah. My choices. An act of service. Yes. My choices were dependent on whether this salon was going to stay open, which meant they were going to continue to feed their yes. and pay their bills. Yes. And that is so huge. And I think a lot, a lot of what I hear, and I know it's shifting and changing, and I love that, is that owners are really realizing that this is a business and yeah. it isn't about them. It is more so about investing in other people and encouraging the support for them to grow. So I think more so, would you say any other maybe things that you want to pinpoint when it comes to like an old school mentality, maybe? Uh, well, I think you just said it. And, and just to kind of my version of that is if you think that being a leader means you're on the top of the totem pole, the top of the mm. triangle, you've got it wrong. You're actually the stepping stone of which everything grows from. And so you have to go into leadership from day one thinking, how can I support others to be more successful, to be more dynamic, to be more fruitful in whatever you know capacity they're able to, to set goals, to have clarity, you know, to have accountability. I'm going to say that word a lot because I think one of the things that I really specialize in is helping people to become 1% six-figure hairstylists. I have 60% of them in my brand are six mm. figures. And that's through providing accountability. I always say, when you come and work for me, you're starting a career and you better know you're hiring us. And that might sound good, but think of us like your personal trainers. It's going to, you're going to want to come in and do sit-ups every day for the first three weeks. But guess what? Six weeks from now, I'm going to be like, Hey, <laughs> I've got another project. I've got another level. I've got another thing. We're going to push you again. And you're going to be like, go away, like leave yes. me alone. But that accountability is not a punishment. It's a gift. So if Ooh. you are a leader out there right now and you are responsible for, for the stylists, their success in their room, in your room, the first thing I would say to you is, are you clear what you are responsible for in their growth and their development? And I'm not talking about just technical. Yes. We, I think we get a little technical heavy. We have good artists. Are you helping them to evolve, to grow, to be more dynamic for having worked for, with, with you, for you, and in your community? And if you're missing that right now, you got to start there because everything grows from that. That's the truth. Every single thing we do piggybacks off that because that turns into employment benefits. That mm. turns into a time off policy. That turns into, do you get what I'm saying? It, it's actually all one conversation about creating opportunity and development. I want to dig a little bit deeper into this because we're at a magical part and whoo, everyone get your notepads out, honey, it's time to work. So what would you say, you know, now we're talking about like old school mindset into like the new modern mindset of being an owner. And what would you say? you should be offering your team right now. So now you're opening that conversation of accountability and really tapping into your artists and stylists and all your employees. 
what should you as a commission owner be offering your stylist? Because no longer does the percentage matter really, right? It's all the things in the background. So dig deep into a little things that, a couple of things that y'all offer that maybe in the Fox and Jane. Yeah, it's such a great question. And the first thing I want to address is that really dangerous should word. Because what you should be offering is, first of all, what you can afford. Because mm. you cannot have a business if you should yourself out, out the door, out the bank, right? So the first thing to say is, as you grow, profitability grows. You're squirreling a little sum for yourself, and you're squirreling a little sum back into that business, and you're starting to look for opportunities that we can now afford as we're getting healthier as a business, right? And some of the things that every employee wants right now, you, it doesn't matter where you are, including my brand, my business in Canada, U, U.S., it doesn't matter who you're talking to, flexibility within the hairstyling community, paid time off is the number one asked for. How can I travel? How can I have a great work-life balance? We structure our schedule in a really specific way to allow people three days off every single mm. week. We always say you get a, a three-day weekend every week in our community, right? We give incredible PTO benefits that they actually grow. Every year that you with, you're with us, you get more and more PTO. 401k, as an industry, there are some states, New York State, we're now, we did it before it was a requirement. They've since made it a requirement. I think over 15 employees, you have to offer it. These are things that as small business owners, we're like, what? I have to figure out 401k, but we do. They're becoming requirements in the interview. They're saying, what benefits do you have for me? If you can, health insurance. Many of us can't. And by the way, I'm a 10-year-old brand that has 160 employees. And it took me years. It took me eight years to launch 401k. And it was a goal of mine for two and a half years prior to that. So I don't want anyone to should themselves of what they should be able to do today uh. if you're not there yet. Now, what you can do for free is give incredible development and success within their business and within their book. Help them to win a little bit every single day. Help them to learn to pre-book. Help them to drive fandom. Help them to get online reviews. Help them to build a social media. Help them to curate their business, not only spending time just doing anything, but where do they spend every hour they're in your room? That's free. That just means you have to go out and listen to podcasts like yours to learn and to take it back to your team. So there's the corporate benefit, but there's also the, as a human, what do I have to know to inject wow. value into you? Mm. Whew. I have chills because <laughs> I think that it, this conversation actually takes me back to being a commission salon owner. And there were a lot of things that I did really wrong. I mean, I let, I made a lot of mistakes, yes. a lot of mistakes in my business. And I also think too, what would I change now? If I was an owner, I feel like maybe I'll write a blog or something about that. Cause there are so, so many differences, right? Um, I did a lot of things wrong, but there is one thing that I know that I did right. And it was just caring for my team. And I would hope, I mean, I'm still friends with them. So I'd hope they still say that now yeah. after all this time, but I genuinely care for them as humans. Yeah. And yeah. I think a lot of what, and I think why, you know, we align is that it is that human side of yeah. leading from compassion, the servant leadership side. Servant leadership doesn't mean that people walk all over you and they get to do what they want. It means that you're serving them in a way where you're allowing them to fulfill their own goals and dreams within your space and Amen. you're helping them get there. Amen. And part of that is coaching. 
you know, one-on-one coaching is big. It's huge. It's not, and it's not only coaching within the business, it's also coaching them personally in a way, right. You know, getting out of debt, doing these things. We're not financial planners here, but having a plan, you know, I used to talk to, to my team about that. Like, how do we get you out of debt so you can show up and feel better and then set yourself up to win financially for the future? How do you feel about coaching and implementation of all of that? Well, we coach daily. Uh, we consider coaching and, and it's not huge. We don't make it heavy. One of our big rules is no bad days. And what that means is if you grew by 5% from yesterday, we're going to mm. celebrate with you. We're going to have a little party and we're going to, you know, if you grew by 10% from last month, and I'm not just talking about sales, I'm talking about demonstrations of growth. It could be how you interact in the room. It could be a, a client that's just raving, excited about you. It could be a beautiful post or reel that you created. And it could also be a data win because we, have, we are obsessed with data in my brands. We, we, we treat everything from a place of this is what actually tells the story, right? Yes. Everyone's like, I'm great at this. And then we get the data and we're like, oh, but you're actually only at 20% of whatever, you know? So uh, the, re- the reality behind it. Um, I think it's it's vital. I think it's so important. And you, you mentioned earlier, just it's not that we're walked over, but it's that we are truly invested in your success. Your yes. success is a reflection of me in this community, in this salon, in this environment, right? And we do have a bottom line. There's two ways to think about goals and standards. Standards are, this is what I need from you to ride this ride. This is what you got to do. And we're going to coach sometimes just on the standard. You got to be a decent person. You got to be on time. You got you to have a professional image. You got to speak and have a, a clear consultation. In our world, you have to pre-book to a certain degree and retain to a certain degree. And then there's goals. But don't confuse goals for standards. Goals Ooh. are, where are we headed? This is what I see for you. Here's the next step. This is what would take you to the next level. Here's Let's hold this as your standard every single day as it becomes your goal. Standards come first. That's what makes your business a business that's different from everyone else on the block. Your standards, your values, your bottom line. But goals are what make employees obsessed with you because they have gone above and beyond just, great, you helped me get here. I have a little bit of a book and now you've left me alone, which is what so many. Yes. And I love y'all, my commission salons out there. So many of us have done. In my world, building a book is step one. That's the start of building everything else. That's the start of building a career. That's the start of curation, right? So it's a relentless or insistent, you know, Mm. passionate coaching that comes from how much you actually care about them thriving. And if you're missing that, you're leaving all the opportunity on the table, you're missing so much. It's probably my the, the best thing that you could do right now that would change your relationship with your team. Wow. So well said. I think a couple minutes ago, you mentioned about the commission salon dying. And, and I hear this often. And, and a lot of it does come from a space of fear. And I always say the commission salon is not dying. It mm-hmm. is changing. It's shifting and it is changing. What shifts have you noticed What things maybe have you done to shift and change and evolve with the industry and kind of where are you at in the process of, of this shift and change? Because I don't believe it's dying. There are always going to be people who want support and assistance and want to be, um, you know, encouraged and, and to help grow. So where are you at with all of that? I'm curious to know this. And do you hear this often too? 
Um, I hear this often when I do stuff like this. Then I go back to my busy salons and I don't think about it as often. Yes. <laughs> I think there's a couple, <laughs> a couple of things that I would say. One is just like commission salons have to change, our industry has to change. I had two eight-year stylists recently leave and go to booth rent within the New York City um, brands. And I had a bunch of my vendors, fantastic people who I love, who, who sell us our awesome stuff. And you know what their messaging to me was? what's wrong? What happened? I heard so-and-so left. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I was talking to my husband, who's an architect. And he said, eight-year stylists and they just moved on? That's in a celebration. We gave them a cake on their last day. Can I say one thing? People are going to move on. Get over it. Yes. Allow the flow to happen within your space. And you know how you do that? By having an incredible succession plan of assistants, junior stylists, new hire relationships ready to go. Be an awesome employer, slow down that leave and stop worrying about it. If you're focused on you and building a fantastic business, people will stay for eight years. And when they walk out the door and say, this has been incredible, but I'm ready for a different shift. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think as an industry, as commission salon owners, we get so much pressure. What's wrong? What's going on over there? The gossip kicks in and it's actually toxic to our entire industry. And I I just, I personally do not participate in it. I'm like, there's absolutely nothing wrong. They're ready to evolve. Let's, let's celebrate them. Let's bring, go focus our energy on the next generation. And it's that simple, but succession planning, I think, everyone is so important and often overlooked. You're never, you can't ever let up. It's like, I always say it drives me crazy when I see someone who says my books are closed, not accepting new mm. clients. I'm like, you're, you're basically telling the whole world you're not prepared for what's next because what's next is 30% of your clients are leaving you every single day, month, week. That's the reality of it. We are all moving, you know, making different choices, trying different things. No matter how good you are, you are shedding clients right now. So we don't stop hiring when we're fully booked and we don't stop uh, taking new clients and building a wait list when we're, we're fully booked in, in the salon. Both things have yes. to be happening at all times. Yes. I want to just talk about something really quick that you really hit the nail on the head with. And it's when you're a leader, yes, there are in this industry, there's a lot of talk of like, oh, it's an emotional business. And yes, it is right. We're getting to know our clients on a personal level. And like, it's sometimes blurs the line, but when you set your standards up of your company and the foundation is strong and you're seeking support through mentorship and you're seeking, you know, education through this podcast or an education class or leaning into like that one-on-one coaching, I feel though, as if the owners themselves has to build an accountability partner as mm-hmm. well, instead of just being focused on leading with fear, right? Like that's a lot of it. And I just love that you talked about that, Lauren, because I lived in that space. Like for the longest time I led with fear, I was 24. Like I didn't know what was going on. And then I got a business coach and it took me to the next level. And I leaned in to that uncomfortableness of not being able to navigate an uncomfortable conversation, which numbers don't lie. And you've talked about that. So maybe can you give us a little like a boost of motivation for anyone listening who is really stuck in that emotional side, right? They can't get out. 
I coach through this so often. I just had a long-term partner of mine who said, I finally feel at peace when someone moves on. And, and it took her, I think she's my six-year business partner and it's taken her six years and she finds, it's hard. We yeah. pour into them. I, I don't want to sound uh, like I have a lack of compassion because I've been through every version of this. I've lost close friends. I actually got once emailed on my honeymoon by someone I was mentoring and gave me no notice who someone I thought was really close. Like I've been through the worst versions of this yeah. and how painful it can be. And what I really realize now is all that emotional energy was such a waste of my light and of my blessing that I have wow. to carry. And, and it's so limited and it's so finite. If I was going to say one thing to you as a leader, it would be to lead from analytics, get yourself out of emotion. It doesn't matter who we like, and it doesn't matter who we don't like. What matters is can they grow? Are they responding? Are they communicative? You know, is there, is there pro progress happening? Get out of like, and not like get into, you know, is this working? Is this the best thing? I always say, if you can focus your energy on the 90%, you are successful because the 10% is it's confusing. It's the most distracting. It wants to scream at you and it will suck up all your time and all that energy. So you kind of have to go, wait a minute, is this person a 10% or a 90%? You mm. know, I call it deposits and withdrawals. How much are they depositing? How much are they withdrawing? And if that's out of balance and they're withdrawing too much, too much, too much, that might be a clue they're a 10 percenter and it might be time to move on and get your energy back to even if you've got that little assistant who wants it so bad and they're there every single day and you have this really advanced stylist who's disruptive and egotistical, well, guess who gets your energy? It's actually that little seedling that you can harvest over the next 10 years in your relationship. And if you're, and it can be so easy for us to get distracted when we're in the whirlwind and focus on the wrong points in our business. So it's not really even to me about emotional. It's about the idea that can you pause? Can you mm. reflect? And can you really challenge yourself to be in tune with what is value add and what is value take? from you, from you and the business and your community. So good. And I think, wow, something that you said is so important. And I think it is, you said analytics, right? And I just always say it's leading. And even I talk about this with pricing or with my solopreneurs, my sweet owners, renters, and my commission owners lead from a space of confidence. And that has to come with facts, mm. fear, right? Leading based oh facts and not fear. And it's hard. Believe me. I'm very open. I shared my five year, my first five years. It was a shit show. I almost, I, want it all I don't <laughs> want anyone to say everything oh I'm God. saying. I've, I've done it all right. It, it was a total, I, show. I was in so much debt. I made so many mistakes and you know, it was just a really, really hard time, but I wouldn't change yeah. any, any moment or piece of that for sure. Yeah. But I think one of the other things that I'm gathering from what you're saying is communication it has to be so clear. And here's one thing that I want to throw out for everyone listening. Because you talked about this, you know, you gave your people cakes when they were leaving. Hey, here's a cake. Like, let's support you, right? You want their experience to be so great. The reality is sweets and rentership is not going away. Mm. And I feel as commission owners, and I just did a live on this in my Facebook group a month ago. I said, you have to start having conversations with your team about rent and suites because they're popping up. Let's have a conversation about it. Let's not have the elephant in the room because if you, if a stylist wants to go and, and 
leave and work, go into a suite or rent. I would rather be able to go over the facts with them and share with them the information so they can base their decision based on facts and not fear. So I can lay everything out for them. I think the conversations have to be open and you have to be okay. Like you mentioned, it's okay if people leave. What you want them to remember is the experience that you provided for them as an owner and you want it to be a positive one. And that only comes from investing in them. And so I wanted to just drop that nugget because again, it's that fear. We can't have conversations. We can't have sweet talk. We don't want to talk. It's happening. And be clear about it. I just had this conversation with one of my owners and she's so amazing. And she loves having these conversations with her team and she's thriving. Her business is exploding. And it's because of these clear conversations. So let's Let's dive into another hot topic, which mm. is finding hairstylists, because this is, it's been, a, it's been a little bit of a rough time. Um, but I want to know where you're finding stylists, how you're finding stylists and what, what tips you have for owners that are really struggling when it comes to finding their mm. perfect yeah. target stylist, it's, right? It's a great question. And, and number one thing I want to say, and I want everyone to write this down. We don't find great employees. We build them. Mm. We create them. We are your succession plan, your assistant program, your associate program, your mentorship program is everything to the small business. On occasion, you're going to get a rad application. And what I get because my brand has gotten to a certain size is a lot of I'm moving to wherever you are and, I, and I'm a big fan and I want to get a lot of relocation um, uh, folks. And and those can tend to be higher qualified where I'm like, okay, rad, like you're coming from Austin to Denver. I get it. You want to come straight into a good salon that that has a bigger reputation. And where we get lucky is maybe more people know about us than the other smaller brands around, right? So they're kind of targeting us as they move, New York City, New Jersey, et cetera. But I would actually tell you that that's 20% of my onboarding. The other 80% comes through my channels of development. It Mm. comes through my assistant and associate program. It comes through mentorship. I have something called a maintenance pathway where I help stylists who are kind of not quite at my level, but also not assistant level. I have a pathway for that. So what I've done is I've adapted to say, I could basically, if you have a, if you've got a good head on your shoulders and a great heart, I could basically hire you into any level. And I don't, I'm not eliminating folks who aren't this perfect acquisition stylist. I would have three employees if I waited for the perfect stylist to come my way. Because even when I hire successful, talented, long-term hairstylists, I still put them through a massive development program to make sure they become our community's version of a, a talented, cultural, amazing hairstylist. And what's so interesting about that is that so many of them might have amazing technique, especially in the social media world, but they've never had the accountability or they've never mm. had the development coming from other commissioned salons. And some have, I mean, I've had both folks coming from rad salons in San Francisco and I'm like, so how does, how does coaching feel? You know, when I bump into them in the hallway, because I'm not all of their direct leaders, of course. And they're like, oh, it's similar. And I'm like, yes, I want to hear more of that in the industry because for years I, I heard, I never had an employee review before. I never had coaching before. And for the first time, y'all are figuring it out that we got to put these processes into place. But I would tell you, your stylists are in beauty school right now. They're assisting for you right now. Maybe they're just a little bit under your skill level that you're looking for. They're in mentorship. 
They're out there, but harvesting new talent, helping them to level up, putting building pathways. It's an invaluable thing that we can do as commission salon owners to make sure, you know, we have a dog in this fight. Wow. I'm ready to go. I'm about to go <laughs> run around the block. Where are, we? Me? are you hiring? I'm, I, yes. Are you hiring? I'm like, hi, I'm going to be a commission stylist now. <laughs> like I'm ready. Um, I have, I'll, I'm humbled. I'm ready. Let's go. But I really do love that, you know, it all starts from taking a hand in a hand, mm-hmm. right. And walking through the door together, together as one, as a company and listen, what I got away from this was this is through experience, dedication, vulnerability, right? Building these, this amazing brand, you know, fucking up to getting it right and doing the hard work. And I feel that what we can all do right now is lead with love, dig a little bit deep into knowledge first, right? As leaders, as stylists, and just looking around at what you can do for that tiny little shift and taking it back to when you said that 5% growth, that, that celebration that maybe it was a 20%, you know, productivity rate that went up in a month, like focusing in on that and taking one little bite at a time to build an amazing empire. Like I Love you so much. And I got to say, Nina, baby, I'm over here like my jaw hurts. Like, I feel like I'm in the best room right now, like growing out. I'm like, this is so great. Like, I'm fired up. But I do love that about tapping into building new stylists and getting the message out. And it's almost to the point where it's so dialed in that the brand speaks for itself. I do have a question, though to get really microscopic, like into it, what could be their first step? Like to making sure they're getting the word out about their brand and celebrating mm-hmm. that. To get the word out. I think the one of the things I want to say to, to anyone listening is Instagram isn't everything. Mm-hmm. So if you mm-hmm. are right now building a business Try not to put all of your eggs in one basket. Remember that the average human customer or future employee um, actually want four points of proof of why you're cool, why you fit. Instagram is the visual, why you do good hair. Yelp, Google is the, what does it feel like to work with you? Your website is, what's the, what's the brand mm. environment? Your, you know, your YouTube, whatever it is, all of those points matter. So if you're trying to build messaging, I would sit down and I would start to say, does this all tell one story, right? Does my website match what it feels and looks like when you walk into the room, match the the appearance standards, match the cleanliness, match our Instagram. If you tell a disjointed story, you will turn people off. Meaning maybe your, your photos look really luxury and you walk in the room and you're not that tidy or your appearance isn't really on point, you know, in your, in your vibe. And, you know, I'm not like a dress code person, but I am a, you know, you don't have to be anyone, but you have to be someone person. Right. And it's like, it all has to line up. So the first thing I would do 
Whenever you're struggling is just take a hard evaluation of things. What story am I telling to the world? Because guess what? Even future employees want to understand that story that you're putting out there. They want to know that what they're being sold is real when they come in the door and three and six weeks later. And that it's not just a, you know, um, you know, Instagram versus real life type of thing. So I would do a hard assessment of all my marketing materials, make sure I'm really confident in the story I'm telling, my points of difference, my standards and values. And then from there, I would start as a broken record. And I hear this a lot from my my leaders. You know, I feel like a preschool teacher. I say things over and over and over again. And I'm like, that means you're doing your job. To truly implant messages and thought processes, we do have to be broken records. So if you're struggling to um, drive some things into your culture or into your room, you got to start, you know, we can't have coaching conversations once a month and think that 12 conversations a year are going to create change. Yes. The average person 16 times to receive information. So get your redundancy, your insistency has to click in. You have to become more compulsive about these things. And then the last thing I would say is be the standard. If you in any way are missing an opportunity to be the standard or the message that you're setting, you will not have the outcome you're looking for. You have to be the standard in every single facet of messaging that you're putting out. So we don't come with accusations, come with curiosity, right? If you want them to come with curiosity and not accuse you, you better lead that way. It's everything is a reflection of you. So assessment, I think Jay is where I would say to start, really look at yourself and not to plug my book, but to plug my book, Culture Fox is actually a journal. It is a journal. So what it does is it, it tells you a little bit about my story. It asks you questions and has you fill in because if you're not clear, your team's not clear and your clients aren't clear. So the first thing, get clarity and make sure everywhere you can be seen, it reflects that clarity. Wow. Amazing. I could literally talk to you for hours upon hours. You are a wealth of knowledge. And what I'm hearing from what you're saying, and this is so true because you put, you uh, pointed out the word assessment, everything that you need is within your business. If you mm grow your business. It's in the business. It's not outside the business. We also often blame outside sources for what's Mm. going on in the business, but the help, the assistance, the, um, the, you know, revision of the business reassessment of self, it's all within the business. But sometimes as leaders, because it's a very tough job, you just have to take a step back and take a pause and do all the things that Lauren just said, do all those things. <laughs> Get your notebook out. And by the way, things. do them again and again. And again, yes. And again. I, I have reinvented myself in my business every couple of years over and over. And then again, in the middle of that, I mean, it is an endless, you're kind of endlessly carving something and you're paying attention to the zeitgeist a little bit and you're focusing on your internal feedback, but you're carving constantly. Business is never stationary. It just isn't. Mm. So, you know, so much great conversation today about what you can do to start to feel successful again in an environment that might not be um, telling a story about you that you'd like to tell you got to get in there and you got to start reinventing being agile and doing that work. Mm, Wow. What an honor 
truly an honor to chat with you today. I really feel that I am so inspired right now. Like I'm literally like, are you hiring? Like, are you open? (laughs) What do I do? Where do I send my resume? Yes. What do I have to do right now? Like I literally feel so inspired and I know that our listeners are going to feel the same. So thank you so, so much for spending time with us and sharing your knowledge. Where can people find you? Where are you on Instagram? Where can they reach out? Lay it all out. Perfect. You can find me on Instagram at Lauren Karens. My first name is spelled L-O-R-E-A-N, last name C-A-I-R-N-S, or through my brand, uh, Fox and Jane Salon Group. You can also get my book, Culture Fox, on Amazon. And I was just saying to these amazing individuals that I don't do a ton of speaking and presentation and things. So it's been such a treat to be on this podcast today. I, I've been very low key on picking up anything outside of focusing on my own um, my own uh, company. But this has just been an absolute joy being with both of you. And, and I'm so glad that I said yes to it today. Yes. <laughs> you are just so iconic. I love I'm moving to New York, New York City. I'm just (laughs) come. We'd love to have you. (laughs) Meanwhile, I want to get to LA. (laughs) Right? Let's go. I'll stay here and we'll create some magic here with Neem and me and you. Let's go. It's been so great. Thank you so much. Everyone that's listening, make sure that you go and give Lauren a follow on Instagram. Check out her book for sure. And if you want to reach out to us, of course, you can slide into our DMs, follow my best guy at it's Mr. J Ladner, myself at Nina Tulio, and our amazing sponsor at Oligo Pro. And if you learn anything from listening to us today, please know that it is okay to live in your truth and remember to always live your life out loud. See you next time. Bye.